and welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. I'm your host, Ben, back again. We're here joined as always with Chris and Hod. How are you guys? Going well, thank you, mate. How are you? Pretty good. And I'll just butt in between you two having a conversation. I'm very good as well, boys. Very good to be here. <laughs> Some guests. Oh, that's right. Time. Some guests on the pod. It's been too long of everyone listening to just these three voices. So we've gone ahead and gathered together one of the most influential divisions, in my opinion, the Bo Callahan division. <laughs> and we are going to hear from Jake, Manny, and the notorious Scoot himself all on the pod in today's episode. So without further ado, I think it's probably well overdue that we hear from our first guest. The champ is here. Right, this is my shit right here. The champ is here. This shit is crazy. The evil genius. And with this intro, we could be referring to none other than our inaugural champ, Jake and the OJ's legal team. Welcome to the pod. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing really, really, really well. I just got half a chub then. <laughs> Five seconds um, in, chub sighting. Absolutely. <laughs> now I'm doing very well, boys. Thanks for having me. Good to have the pod back. Well, uh, glad that uh, someone who made it deep into the post season feels that way because I'm sure we're not going to get that sort of level of love later on in the pod. But uh, before we do get into this season, mate, just a huge congratulations in order for how things finished up at the end of last year. It was a tight finish. Um, we've been over sort of how things could have gone differently, just if different things took place. Uh, can you quickly tell us and tell the listeners, how have you been celebrating, mate? Some people go to Disneyland, um, do all sorts of things in the off-season. What's the OJ's legal team been doing in the off-season? Uh, well, in the immediate aftermath, it was a better three or four-day bender just to really, really nestle into what I do best. Uh, and after that, I was really trying to unwind and switch off because as we all know, I think fantasy consumes most of our mental capacity for most of the year. And it was good to sort of switch off for a period of time there. Was there, um, was there any communication with the, the unfortunate runner-up post-victory, uh, Jake? Uh, from the spot, I think there was a little bit. I think I was pretty gracious, to be completely honest. I um I don't remember giving him a hard time. Hod looks surprised. No, oh, just I, do? I don't know that he remembers anything after a three to four day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's remember it. giving him a hard time, but I think I might have called him number two a few times. I think it's about as as vicious as it got. Are you going to remind me of something that I did, Hod? Or no, 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 not at all. But um. Oh, good. What I do want to know is where, where is the ring and, and where's the team helmet currently displayed? Team Boy, helmet is, is on my... Yeah, I'm wear, the I wear the ring. For the li- uh, just for the listeners? No, I, I wear the ring uh, far more often than you guys would like to know. <laughs> and the helmet <laughs> is on my desk at work. Uh, very, very, very proudly good. displayed next to the screens. Showcasing. Now, more importantly, there is a notable difference to the champs look right now. The, the top knot has disappeared. 
So I want to know, was this a team packed for winning the trophy or did the missus finally come to her senses and demand hmm. a cut? What, what's going on there? No, no, neither of the above. Uh, I uh, just decided enough was enough. Was enough. Certainly no you know, sort of team, uh, team packed to, to go and cut our hair. I kept uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup with the long, luscious locks, and he can he can remain with them in the team. Very good. Well, um, speaking of parting ways with things, uh, before we get stuck into uh, a few questions for you, Jakey boy, we're gonna just, just going to run through a bit of a summary as to what you did um, in the off-season with your roster, and then we'll have a look at kind of the players you picked in the rookie draft. So um, that's the best segue I could do. Um so from a trading point of view, you traded out Odell Beckham to Camo and, and basically received a couple of seconds um, in the draft for him. And also the other notable move was, was trading out Noah Fant, picking up a replacement tight end in uh, Hooper, grabbing Singletary as well, as well as the 111, importantly, and the 207 as well. So a few nice little uh, moves there for your team in the offseason. Uh, yeah, Odell, I didn't really have for much of the year anyway, so I was pretty uh, willing to part ways and get back into the draft. Uh, I sort of lost a lot of draft capital in the first year. Um, so that one was sort of a little bit of kind of whatever. The second one uh, took a lot of thinking. I didn't really want to part ways with Fant uh, at all. I sort of had a lot of suitors for Fant pretty much since the season ended. I'm talking like maybe... Two, three days after it ended, I was getting trade offers for, for Noah Fant. Um, and I just thought with that one there, um, I mean, I'm stuck with Drew Locke as well. I'm not 100% certain on what's happening there in, in Denver. Cortland Sutton is due to come back. They're going to draft another running back. So I probably didn't have the height of the ceiling on Fant that I did from the year before. Uh, so I was more willing to part ways. And as soon as I was obviously trying to get back into the first round to collect one of the um, one of the QBs, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, a little bit later on. But that was the plan. I thought if I could get some collateral, get back into the first round, uh, someone I thought would fall. Uh, someone did, just wasn't the same person I thought. Very good. Well, um you are right in that we have plenty of questions that we're going to get to in relation to that. Before we do, we'll quickly run through what you went ahead and did in the rookie draft. So you spoke at the 111 there. You ended up with Devontae Smith. Uh, the 204, you turned around and got Elijah Moore from the Jets. And then uh, one that opened a few eyes here at the 207, Ramondre Stevenson from the Pats, uh, followed in back-to-back picks here with Pat Fryermuth. Uh, and then is it Ian Book? It is. You know? Yep. Yep. At the three twelve and old Pookie Williams at the four twelve. Pookie, Pookie, <laughs> <Puka>, even. <laughs> Ever ridiculous name. I'm not going to take time to learn it. Uh, at the four twelve, <laughs> Mister Irrelevant. There. So they're the rookie picks that Jake's gone ahead and got there. Now, Jake, you've <laughs> obviously won the league and uh, didn't have any picks, as you've just touched on earlier. So. You've sort of talked us through those moves, um, but maybe uh, maybe give us some thoughts in relation to the draft, like in the lead up to the draft. Did you have some players in mind for those um, trades in the off season, or did you just want to get capital? Uh, no, I had well, I had positions in mind, and I'd done a fair few mock drafts. I'm sure other people had done. Um, 
I remember having a conversation with Keeney. I didn't even think all five quarterbacks would go in the first round because I didn't have them valued as high as some of the players. Uh, then I remember what league I was in and thought, you're an idiot. That's, of course, going to happen because everyone just loves sucking off a QB in our league. So um, <laughs> I figured if I get into the, into the back half of, of the first round, I'd be in an okay spot. Um, and honestly, I was thinking if they all happen to go, that means someone who I think is very, very, very good is going to slide to that 11th spot um, and then obviously end up with Devontae Smith which I wasn't unhappy about. I just was expecting a quarterback sort of in that spot. Yeah, well, you you do mention that you're expecting a QB, and we'll we'll get. I think we'll cut straight to the chase here. Mac Jones is the man you you were hoping was going to be there. Just talk us through kind of the emotions of of what can only be described as the biggest sniper of the draft in the mm. first round when uh, when Hod traded CMC and Julio etc. to to come up and take him. I was pretty shocked. I was at footy um, and I wasn't, didn't have my phone on me and honestly thought that I'd be on the clock by the time <laughs> footy, but that was the, uh, the eight-hour saga and the, uh, uh, and the trade and everything else. And by the time I saw it, I, my jaw was literally on the floor. Um, not unexpected that Mac Jones ended up going, but then obviously the trade and everything that came along with it with the CMC moving and Julio and Stefan Diggs and a lot of massive, massive pieces. Um, yeah, I can't say. Look, Mac Jones was the guy I thought I would get. He wasn't like my desired QB, though. Like, we're going into the draft. I wasn't dying to get Mac Jones. I just thought he would be the fifth quarterback that was there and available. Uh, I don't think he's going to have any relevance this year. Um, and so, for me, who's sort of thinking, do I try and reload to go again? It was sort of a step in the other direction. So uh, I wasn't like devastated that he wasn't there. Uh, would have been nice to get him, I think, though, still. So you say that he um, he wasn't your favourite quarterback. Does that mean that you were um, taking on the mindset of a DFF and hoping that Trevor Lawrence might fall to the 111? <laughs> no, like I said, I fully expected him to be the one there. <laughs> but he wasn't the one going to the draft. Like, I'm desperate to get him, and I'm going to get into the first round to get Mac Jones. So just just uh, we'll just quickly branch off um, for a second. If you were Steph and you had pick two and three, what what way would you have gone? Uh, I would have gone Wilson and Fields. Very good. Yeah, interesting. Like, yeah, pretty quickly. I, I think. Um, I think. Did he have? Did he end up with another first round pick though? He had the last. He yeah, had he last had the twelve. Pick. Yeah, he went Wilson and Lance, obviously. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have lent into sort of Chase or Smith knowing that there's going to be sort of less skilled positions. The other one that you would have thought about would have been Pitts for me if I was him because he's got like sort of a generational dude, uh, tight end premium. He's probably going to be a stud right away. He's probably the only one I would have considered. Um, and I reckon Zach Wilson's probably the safe too. Nice. I like that. Very good for an on-the-spot question there, Jake. Uh, but here's one that we uh, got you to think about prior to the pod. What was your favourite pick, mate? You you didn't have many when the season finished, and then you definitely had plenty by the time the draft rolled around. So what was your favourite pick in the end? Oh, I think Ramondre <laughs> was, was up there with my favourite pick. He was someone that I was targeting going into the drafts. 
um, but not necessarily in that position. Uh, I like him. I like sort of his situation. He's got a lot of Legarian Blunt about him. And I've got a good friend who's a big Pats fan who was telling me for weeks, he's like, you've got to get this guy late. You've got to get this guy late. Um, and then I was looking at the draft was sort of panning out. I was like, if I don't get him in the middle, by the time I was picking again, he would have been gone. So I thought, why not have a, a little bit of a crack? And so it's probably my favourite pick because I don't, as you've sort of, sort of seen, I'm not really much of a, I, I'm probably safer in my drafting than, you know, swinging for the fence and really reaching. I like to take value at, at their spot and he's probably not value at his spot. He's probably a reach. Um, so it's a bit out of character. No, it's good. I like that um, nice. it's always a relevant point, though, when people say that it's a reach or, but you can't make a trade unless anyone's willing to trade with you. I know everyone talks about what they would do in certain situations, but the fact that you got a bloke that you went into the draft hoping to get, yeah, probably higher than where he would have gone, but you're right, the back of the third round was your next pick. So there's every yeah. chance he's not going to be there by the time your next pick rolls around. So good job, mate. Well, another one you have prepped for, so expect another solid answer. What is your sleeper pick? Which player of these six are we not seeing a really promising future for? Well, I don't know if you don't see a promising future for it, but I think the uh, the Frymouth pick could be really, really good mm. on for me. I don't think I don't think he's going to be a Kelsey Kittle type ever, but I think he probably sits in that B class band. Uh, and he's in a good situation with uh, a Steeler team, which is most likely always going to have a fairly decent run game and they'll play off that. Uh, Big Ben doesn't have uh, long to go, but you hope they sort of recycle someone into that position. Um, and I think that he could be really, really effective for a period of time. Uh, and then I'm I'm kind of bullish on Mr. Irrelevant in Puka because I think it's a lottery about who's going to be the number two there in Cincinnati and Joe Mixon, who I'm a fan of, has proven to not be able to stay out there. So I think there's every chance he bobs up. He's as much of a chance to bob up uh, in the sort of in the depth chart for a running back than anyone in the third or fourth round. Oh, absolutely. I was a little shattered when I didn't get some puka. But um, uh, before we go on to... <laughs> what about the player? Um, well, um, before we move on to the post-draft trade, I just want to do a little, I've been doing a little quick comparison here as you've been talking. So parted with Beckham and Fant and in comes Elijah Moore, Pat Frymuth, Hooper Singletary, Devontae Smith and Ramondre Stevenson. It's, you've, you've gotten out a player that you didn't have and you've also gotten out a player for a haul who has a really suspect quarter back in the future. Um, we just don't know what's going on there. It could be amazing, um, but there is still some uncertainty. So I think looking at this comparison, the six players for the two, um, I think you've done really well. Uh, are, are you feeling the same or um, how, what, how are you feeling about the team? Yeah, no, I think um, getting rid of those two is given better balance to my list, which I didn't really have for most of last year. I was wide receiver heavy the whole way through, which held me in fairly good stead. But moving forward, the anxiety week on week about who's playing tight end or quarterback or even running back for certain parts of the year was a lot. And so I ended up playing, you know, sort of five receivers most weeks. Um, so having sort of more of that balanced approach is probably what I was wanting to do and, and sort of it worked. 
I don't know. I don't know what you're anxious about. I mean, we all know, um, and Papa in particular knew that McKissick would just come in and dominate. So I thought you had really solid depth all year. Well, I drafted McKissick knowing that he could play a role at some point. Like it's the fact that he lucked Smart. into. Yeah. You knew that he would uh, catch a seventy-yard no. touchdown to. <laughs> That, that, moment, that moment is still the greatest thing that's ever happened. Knowing <laughs> that McKissick catching that ball <laughs> drowned Papa actually still makes me grin like you've got no idea. Well, we I can think. see your face right now. It is There is a Cheshire-style grin on your face. Um, <laughs> just really quickly, actually, here's a question just to put you on the spot. If mm-hmm. If things didn't flip the way that they did in the final, and let's say that the shoe was on the other foot and you just narrowly missed out on getting the win, being the first champ. Do you do the same moves in the off season or are you able to sort of be a bit more flexible after getting that ring on your finger um, and looking more towards the future? Yeah, I wouldn't have got rid of Fant if I had lost um, just because I know what I've got in Fant. Uh, Ridley might have still been on the table because I was looking to move receivers to build my squad knowing that's where I had most of my capital. So Ridley was arguably on the table, but obviously probably not a not a one I would have loved to get rid of. Odell's probably always going to go, knowing again, because of the position. Um, but uh, yeah, I probably, I probably would have stayed a lot safer had I uh, lost. Yeah, it's, it's always a fine balance, isn't it? Um, kind of deciding when to move on with assets that hold value versus just rolling with them until... Maybe they don't anymore, but you're okay with that. So um, it's always interesting to kind of look back, and I'm sure we will um, in the next couple of years. But speaking of um, Calvin Ridley, you mentioned earlier that you had a pretty loaded wide receiver room for majority of the year last year, um, and it really helped you along the way. Obviously, you've um, we just want to touch on the the trade you made post the draft. So you've moved Ridley on, um, and also basically a third rounder in there as well for Najee Harris and a first. Um, I think in 2023. So um, just do you want to quickly talk us talk to us about the motive behind moving Ridley on? Is it to, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but is it to kind of do a, have a little mini reset, be a bit stronger in um, a variety of different positions and, and give you a chance to challenge again this year? Or do you think it's more maybe setting you up for, for two or three years down the line? Well, you obviously came to me to propose the the offer for Ridley and and dangle the Najee Harris carrot. Um, I didn't think, honestly, that I'd be able to pry you of, uh, of, of Harris because Harris was one of the guys, like the Harris and Pitts for me were the two guys going to the draft and you landed both with the two guys. I was like, if I could sell the farm to get into a position for either of those, they would have been it outside of Lawrence. Um, I actually offered Ridley for, for Lawrence <laughs> uh, as well. So... I sort of knew that now was my window with Ridley. I think with Hopkins and Lockett, um, you've got to really love either of those two to now sort of want to buy in on them because of their age, being 28 and the wrong side of that. Uh, I thought that he was the one that would get, give me the most sort of collateral. Uh, and in terms of the Harris, like I said, the Steelers running back is always, the Steelers have made good running backs out of James Connor. Like, like you know, he's going to be an absolute stud. So uh, for me, I feel like I'm swapping A grader for A grader, obviously different points in their career, but I really do see Harris as, as a star and being able to pair him with hopefully a healthy Zeke 
uh, means I shouldn't have to really worry about the, the running back starting positions for two years now. And bottom line, mate, are you, you all in again for 2021? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm not here. To, I'm not here. To, no, this is what we're here for. And so I thought to myself, if I could get absolutely nothing, like blow it up, like completely blow it up, but I don't think I'd have the interest if I wasn't contending. So um, I'm not here for fucking three, four years' time like the DFF. <laughs> Uh, it didn't take long. Shots fired. Um, it's probably the first dig we've had at DFF in the episode. So thanks for doing that because we, we normally <laughs> like to get that off the top of the show. Mate, thanks for coming on. There's um, there's a lot of good insight there into what was going through your mind after, after taking out the chip, um, looking at the future and sort of keeping one foot on each side of it, a little bit of contending now, but also getting some pieces in the way just to keep you relevant for uh, the next few years to come. Hod, did you have anything you want to finish on? Yeah, just quickly before we uh, we leave, Jake, but um, it's obviously a fiery division, this, and Jake's never short of shooting some shots. So uh, what do you think of Scoot or Manny who are coming straight after you here? Was there anything in their drafts you like, dislike, or just anything you've got for us on those two blokes? Well, Manny... Uh, I wasn't sure it was in the draft for a while. <laughs> and then given how quickly Scoot shot, it was very difficult to remember that he was also part of the draft. I reckon he spent a total of 40 seconds on the clock across his pick. So you have to really go back and analyse their drafts long after it's happened as opposed to being in the moment. And then Ben obviously had the 101. So you couldn't really get that wrong. And then after that was sort of too much of a massive factor either. So the draft itself... Um, wasn't anything exciting, I don't think, really, for our our, our little conference. But um, obviously, there's been a fair few moves pre and post draft, which are fairly interesting. I, I think that we're no doubt going to be the strongest division by a country mile. Um, to be completely honest, I think there's probably one team in each other uh, comp that can win, and I generally reckon four in ours can can give it a bit of a tilt. Um, so no, the draft itself, not really, but, um, yeah, plenty of, plenty of excitement in the, uh, what are, what are we? The Bo Callahans. The Bo Callahans. That's right. That's I watched right. draft day last night preparing for this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you walk away with a fair bit of insight after watching that? I just don't understand how you get to pick the divisions and you call our division Bo Callahan. Like he's a knob. I know. <laughs> no, that was random. Very fitting. The, um, I would have been. Gunning for Vontae Mack, if anyone. 100% Vontae. Yeah. Um, no, Bo Callahan, but it's kind of funnier that we we have the dick division. <laughs> yeah. Full of them. Full of dicks. <laughs> well, kind of well, works. Uh, Jakey, mate. Well done, mate. You'll um, you'll always be known as the inaugural champ in this league. So um, congratulations again, mate. And thanks uh, for coming on. No, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be the inaugural champion. I wear this bad boy with pride. Thanks, Puka. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. See you, boys. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon, Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the eaves.
so I can get some phones rolling in my ride. And with the smooth tones of Warren G playing here, we are joined by one Matt Sheehan Scooter, General Manager of the Bayside Executioners. Welcome to the pod. Scoot, how you doing? Yeah, good, gents. Yourself? Very good now that you're on. Always good with you here, Scoot. A little bit, um, a little bit blown <laughs> away, to be honest. From here. A little bit blown away, Scooter, to be honest. I'm, uh, I'm a little surprised, but I'm also extremely thankful of your presence. You're blown away? Surprised? Why is that? Well, you're just a, an avid hater of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and you've made an appearance. Pretty simple, really. I nearly, I nearly went Marshall Lynch on you. I nearly did. The... Uh... <laughs> Um, and I originally was going to decline, and I thought I'd not be too much of a deal. Well, there, there was there was rumours floating around with that uh, no appearance could result in a loss of draft picks going forward. So I'm glad it didn't come to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't think about it. I thought I'd better do the right thing by you, gentlemen. Can I? Can you guys just remind me? Did I get a, a media sanction for not having any draft picks this year? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, must yeah, something like that. Uh, It'd have been easy draft prep for you. It was just to snipe Jake. <laughs> accomplished. It would have been shattered. Well, you'll hear all about that, Scoot, if you tune in once. Oh, you'll have to tell me about it another day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, a few words. C- commitment to the cause. I like it. <laughs> All right, Scooter. So we'll just quickly run through a bit of uh, your activity in the off-season. So a couple of moves prior to the draft. So you moved, did a little bit of a sideways one with me here. You got rid of uh, Pollard, but you brought in AJ Dillon. And to do that, you moved your pick nine back to 11 and you swapped your own pick for Jake's, which is, given that you're in the same division, that's a spicy little manoeuvre. Any, um, any reason for that, just off the bat? So I thought Jake's pick would probably be a top three next year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really liked Dylan. I thought Dylan looked really good towards the end of last year. Um, I, that era, uh, Jones is due to get banged up for a season, so I thought it might be just one of those sort of picks that ends up paying off for this season or the next season. Um, I didn't really want to get rid of Pollard, as, as I said to you, Chris, in the trade. When Jake loses Zeke, Pollard goes through, so it was a bit of a double hit for me. But then you threw in Jake's pick next year, so that meant that if Zeke did go down and he didn't have him, then he'd have probably most likely have a bad year. So I would get the benefits of the pick anyway. Yeah, so a bit of a mental health sort of trade, as I coined it, I think. <laughs> Just to <laughs> yeah. keep you sane in case Zeke went down and you didn't have Pollard anymore. Um, yeah, so much. you've moved so you've moved nine back to eleven, and then moved eleven out to two hundred two and two hundred six. So that was your other move. So was that always something you were looking to do? Try and split that nine back and have a couple of goes at it in the second round? I was finding it really hard to mock whatever I was doing based on guys having multiple picks. Mm. So what I thought was maybe get out, get yourself three picks in the second round. And because my team's not in a bad place, that I thought if I could sort of take a swing at three in the second round, that hopefully one comes off, maybe two, then I'll, I'll probably do better than just grabbing that one and then um, then picking so late in the second. So it was more to do with that. Very nice. And um, I reckon there's been a little bit of a trend. I'm thinking in both of our leagues in the um, in EDL and uh, two-minute drillers. I reckon that 80% of your trade scooter are with me. Now, is there 
Is it just coincidence or is there any reason behind that, do you think? Look, smart people tend to stick with smart people, but the I, I always find you're easier to trade with because there's always a bit of give and take in, in the trade. So whether it's favoured your way, favoured my way, doesn't it, there seems to be a bit of a balance with that. So it's when you're comparing it to offers you get from the McMahons, the namely Matt, who you just have to basically ignore. You don't even acknowledge him with an answer. You just decline. Um, but yeah, I, I just find you're easier to trade with. Just out of interest, have have you had any um, conversations with Camo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, did you guys notice the other day too that uh, a Chargers player just got released to waivers? That's going to be really nice that Camo doesn't have to trade for him. <laughs> or someone can pick him up and maybe get a fourth. <laughs> Guaranteed. Maybe, maybe turn him into a third or a second. Um, <laughs> I was going to say um, Scooter doesn't have a Chargers player on his roster, so he's probably never heard of who Camo is. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, he did try. He did try to throw an offer out to me the other day. It was wasn't too bad, but yeah, it was uh, it was one that we just couldn't come together on. Um, one thing that did uh, just perk my ears up there is, are you uh, hinting at maybe a little bit of fall from grace for Jake's squad here, Scoot, um, with your interest in the first? Because I don't want to ruin anything um, for the listeners, but Jake's just been on. And uh, he is pretty pretty strong about his squad's chances for next year. Some may have saw it as a mini reset, but he is all in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's Jake. Jake's pretty strong on anything that's Jake. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, look, his team's his team's got some serious depth issues from what I see. The I think the Harris thing was a was a pretty good move for him. It was a smart move. Um, I was a bit surprised when I saw that, but yeah, it ended up being all right. But um, when you've got what Ben and David Carr as your um, as your quarterbacks, you could be a little bit trouble, especially if Locke doesn't win that that uh, job in the Panthers. Uh, sorry, at the Broncos. Mm. You've got Gurley there. Well, he doesn't have a lot of doesn't have a lot of running back depth. You'll be hoping he hoping the Fournette and singles do something, but he's got Harris coming in. But yeah, he just doesn't seem to have the depth. Yep. Um, thoughts on McKissick to provide a bit of a depth piece again, maybe two years in a row? I don't know. I reckon Gibson might get, get a lot more of the workload. I can see that happening. I thought, I thought he looked pretty good last year. Anyway, I'm throwing bait out there and you're biting every time. That's enough about Jake's team. Let's talk about your squad, Scoot. So, rookie picks for this year. You've had um, Terrace Marshall come in at the 202. A really nice pick here. I think a lot of people agree with me there with uh, Trey Sermon at 206. Um, an interesting one at 211 with the quarterback, Kellen Mond. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and how you see the Vikings' future shaping. And then in the fourth round, probably a tight end that slid a bit, a um, bit of pre-draft hype in Brevin Jordan um, at the 409. So, um, Ben, did you want to just give a summary there or run us into the next part? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, we've spoken about the moves that you've made in the lead up to the draft, the picks that you've made in the draft. What sort of was your mindset going into the draft? You know, just speaking to Jake before, he was talking about doing some mocks and trying to predict sort of where this league would go. As you pointed out before, blokes having multiple picks in the first makes that pretty unpredictable of, of how you can see this shaping out. So just some, some of your thoughts in the lead up to the draft and, and how you sort of felt it went 
uh, once you were in it? Yeah, it was. It, I thought the draft went pretty much to strip for everybody. It's it's not. It wasn't a lot of shocks. Um, it's it's weird. You sort of you try. I tried to do a couple of mocks, like I said, and they just didn't. Uh, trying to get my head around what people were going to do with multiple picks, I just sort of saw it as a bit of a waste of time. So once I had my order of players that I, that I liked in in that order, I just thought if I just stick to that, then I should be okay. Um, I, I pick pretty quick. I tend to a few picks out. I sort of had that top three or four guys that, I, that I'm, I'm looking at in order. And then whatever turns up in that shape, then I tend to go with whatever's on top of my board pretty quickly. Um, I think I said, I think I might have sent a message to Chris at that Marshall pick. I liked Marshall a lot, and, but I liked Sermon more. And I sort of said to him, I'm going to have to start showing a bit of balls and maybe take Marshall because I'd mocked the guys after me. And I thought if I took Marshall, then either Sermon or Carter might get to me. Um, and I thought it was worth taking the chance. I wasn't planning on both of them getting to me, to be honest. Now, just before we push on there, um, you've mentioned a couple of times that um, the drafts went as you planned. Is that because you're still paying a million dollars for this algorithm premium service <laughs> draft kit that you use? Any any uh, light shed on that? <laughs> no, actually, no, I didn't know. I didn't even use it. Um, yeah, use what? <laughs> no. Use what? Sorry. You want to thank your sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> have you actually have you actually tried to use it? It doesn't work. Not with these guys. Not a great endorsement. So you're saying no. that this league's just too intelligent for the algorithm? <laughs> just <laughs> well, the uh, well, I think like if you'd use it in that draft, the only time it would work is like a um, snake redraft. Um, but the when you're trying to like it didn't work in the uh, in the actual dynasty draft because everyone just started picking players all over the place, sort of thing. So uh, basically, at the top of its list were guys like AJ Green and and the older players because it felt like they were good value. So yeah, you couldn't use it. Well, I found um, I found what you said before there, mate, to be pretty interesting. Just with the Marshall Sermon pick. So in your mind, um, even though you like Sermon better, you thought Marshall wasn't getting to you at the two hundred six with. The guys in behind you probably needing wide receiver or looking likely to take wide receiver there. Was that kind of the tactic around that? Pretty much. I got a bit of a shock when Steph took the other more, the one pick before me. I Then I sort of put it down to maybe he'd just picked the wrong more and was too embarrassed to say. Um, <laughs> so then I, I, I just sort of looked at it and I, I went, well, I, I, based on what I was looking at, I thought that um, Kamo would take a receiver. And I just didn't know which one. So I sort of chanced my arm with the, with the thought process that after those three picks, I'd, after the next three picks, I would still have Sermon, Carter, and then possibly um, the tight end from Pittsburgh that I'd be happy taking at that next pick. Um, and then I, then I had him in order and then it just worked out my way because then it was Bateman Moore and then Brown went in front of me and I had the choices of all three of them. Yeah. There any... Is there any truth into uh, what some people are saying that the mock draft of this podcast influenced the way that you may be drafted? I didn't hear the mod mock. <laughs> well, he's keeping it up. He's keeping it up. That's good. I got. A, I, I almost got him. I got. Who say, did you guys actually? Who did you guys have me mocking? Uh, I think Elijah Moore. Yeah, I the two hundred two. Yep, I got to say, I, I was. Um, I was surprised that Sermon got to the 206 scooter. So I reckon you got some really nice value there. And particularly with um, the recent news with Jeff Wilson, that's only grown um, in recent times. I was going to ask you if you actually had any 
any uh, trade offers when you're on the clock. But then I just realized you were on the clock for a combined three seconds for the whole draft. So we'll skip that question <laughs> and move on. <laughs> like I said, I stick to the board. I move pretty quick. I... <laughs> well, speak great segue here. Can I, um, can I just ask, speaking of moving quick, can I confirm if my take from, you wouldn't have heard this, from the post-draft review, uh, being that four seconds is an official PB of yours or have you upped it to six yet? <laughs> How long it takes me to pick or to do other things? Yeah, do other things, maybe. <laughs> no, no, that was a record. <laughs> Confirmed. Beautiful. Well, um, just back on uh, the draft, I think I think he's timed it pretty well there because there was that wide receiver run on, which uh, Marshall, what, what did he have? Three following that. Um, so yeah. I think he's he picked it in the correct order there, Marshall, and then obviously getting Sermon to last to 206, which we all see is great value, which I hope doesn't give it away. But your favorite pick, Scoot, what is your favorite pick out of the four? I think Sermon was definitely my favorite. Why? I just, like I said, I took that chance. I got the rece- I got a receiver I liked as well in, in front of it and still got him. Um, I, I, I thought I was a little bit lucky for him just to keep, to, to be there, but I wasn't expecting Carter to be there either. Very good. Ben? Are you've, you, got uh, Most, you've got Mostert too. Mostert's not the most durable player. Yeah, and obviously the San Francisco, we've talked about it, the back, that backfield. If you can hit the um, hit the starter, it's a diamond in the rough. So Love. I think we all agree. That's Absolutely. a very nice pick. Uh, what about, mate, your sleeper pick of the draft? So talking about Marshall and Sermon a bit, uh, would they fall into a sleeper pick where you got them or would it be maybe your Kellen Mond or Jordan? No, it's, it's Mond. It's like I hadn't done, like it's if we're saying that we've done a heap of research to all these other people, then we're probably kidding ourselves. But you read a few articles here and there. There was those comparisons to Dak, which I like, the, the dual threat. Um, then you've got the fact that nobody really likes Kirk Cousins. Like nobody. So the chance of maybe him pushing him out was a chance. So I, I just thought it was worth worth taking a hit on him. I didn't want anything to do with the the Texans quarterback room. Um only because if they have a bad year, even with that that uh, rookie, um, that they probably in a position to draft another quarterback next year. So I just thought Mon was the one that might develop into something. I started to get a little bit sort of antsy leading up to it because Carter was still there, and if, if Ben hadn't have taken the pick before, I probably would have taken Carter just on the pure value of where he, where he was. Mm. Mm. And he can just sit, obviously, just sit on your taxi squad for two years, so you can make up your mind of what you want to do with him in a couple of years. So. Yeah, new. and, and by, the, by the looks of it, he's, he's pretty good trade bait because I've had a couple of people already approach me. Ooh. Ooh. A couple of, well, a couple of Vikings supporters in our uh, league, so I can only guess who, who's asking for him. <laughs> there is a couple of Viking homers in the league, yes. Or is it the Kirk <laughs> Cousins say, owner? I actually, I actually think that's the underrated part of the draft is actually taking blokes from teams <laughs> that the guys go for in the league. They are at the end of the day, we're all homers and we all want a piece of uh, our favorite team. So, so like Philly, I was disappointed. I was disappointed when when Jake took Ian Book. I was dead set, like disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's probably no chance, but I just wanted a piece of him. I I, I threw a trade offer at Matty Mack for uh, CD Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> really different. <laughs> well, I don't I don't rate many charges players, but we all know you can cash in for double with come over <laughs> those ones. <laughs> So they're worth a dime a dozen. Um, like, let's, they're like truffles. <laughs> let's um, let's move into your post-draft trade, Scoot. 
Um, and we've obviously got both parties here that can talk to this. But this this was an interesting one for me, and you wouldn't believe it, but I actually asked him for his trade calculator and it spat out some numbers, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Stafford, a second and a third for Winston, um, a first and a fourth. Uh, I don't know who we want to – we'll start with you, Scoot. Give us your thoughts on this trade and, and how it even eventuated. Uh, it was We were talking about something else. Uh, and then actually we're talking about the trade I offered, uh, maybe I think we offered Devontae Adams for um, and CeeDee Lamb and a few bits and pieces. The But then um, Kenny sort of said that he had interest in Stafford. And I keep, I've been concerned, obviously you've got a few of these super teams coming through with a lot of young players on them. That if I wanted to compete, that I probably had to get a little bit younger. Um, Winston was a what top top three, top five uh, fantasy QB a few years ago. So it's I know it's weighted in Keeney's favour at the moment. But if he ends up coming in as a top five, top ten, I've all of a sudden got what three or four years younger at the quarterback position, um, and haven't lost that much. Plus I've gained that extra first round next year, which gives me to sort of hopefully top five, top six picks if I can keep the both of them out of, out of the playoffs, um, Ben and, and Jake. So it was one of those ones where I sort of looked at it and went, yeah, it can go either way. I can either go really badly for me or really, really well for me. And Stafford's not getting it younger. Um, so, yeah, I just – I thought it was worth a shot. Well, Kenny, the, the, sign, the, the sign of a good trade, boys, is when you have multiple people reach out to you after the trade and – some say they didn't like it and some say they did. So um, that's kind of the feedback I got after the, this trade. Look, from my point of view, um, I was basically willing to give up. I'm, you know, I'm pretty open in the fact that I'm trying to, um, I, I don't think I'll win this year, um, but I'm kind of looking towards the future a bit more. And I wanted to solidify the QB position a little bit more, um, even though Stafford's kind of 32, 33 years old. I just think he's, the Rams that have um, taken him to, to be their QB. I think he's got another three or four years left. Um, I'm hoping that's when I'm in the window to win one. Um, and I've given up a little bit of capital, capital but um, I think you're right. It's sort of, I reckon, Scoot's traded away some floor to try and trade in some ceiling. So that's that's kind of the way I look at the trade. And I, I think you're right, Scoot, at the moment, probably my end's a safer side, but you could certainly end up with more upside than me. Um. We've touched on it a couple of times, this emotional Homer incentive in trade pieces. And um, Scoot, you just touched on it there, trying to flip Adams to Matt and you wanted CeeDee Lamb back. But interestingly, Keeney, you've given up your quarterback in this one and surely you have the most insight into Jameis out of anyone. Um, Are you buying into Taysom Hill, the Taysom Hill experience here? Or just give us your thoughts on why you're parting with as Scoot said, a, a quarterback capable of being a top QB in the league for fantasy. Um, what are you? Th- what is your thoughts behind that? No, I don't think. I, I actually try to remove the emotion away, Hod, which actually can sometimes be beneficial. Believe it or not. Um, <laughs> look, I just, I just, yeah. As as I said before, I'm kind of trading away a bit of uncertainty because let's be honest. Like I'm, I'm very sure Winston will get the job. He's on a one year contract. That's the uncertainty for me. I'm certain he'll be the QB next year. It's more down the line when... So if I'm trying to win it for from 2022 onwards, um, I'm not sure what I've got in Winston. I think I know what I've got in him next year. Um, and sure, he can rise in value. I've no doubt in that. Um, but yeah, I'm just just more looking towards 2022 and beyond and thought it was a pretty fair deal in the end. 
I must admit, I think this one hurt Kenny a little bit more than normal because usually when we train, it's usually a pretty positive and easy process. He asked to sleep on it at first. Then the next oh. day, I even had to push him a couple of times to get him to do it. No way. He pulled a Thais. He did a Matty Max sleep on it. I didn't do it. 24 this. hours, also known as 72. Nah, in, if you're in, lucky. Fairness, in fairness, you offered, you, you said, let's do it as I was just about to go into a prezzo for work. So that was my sleep on it. I didn't legit sleep on it. I just had to had to do a bit of work first and then I came straight back to you. Kenny, what are anyway, you sleeping on? He had to listen to a few <laughs> uh, New Orleans yeah. podcasts just to get yeah, the just, last sort of... Just to, had, to, had to get my opinion changed based on other people's <laughs> opinions. Um, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Um, sort of a somewhat related question off the back of that. I reckon the biggest talking point for me, for your squad, is that you're largely running it back with a very similar squad that you had last year. Now, we just had Jake on uh, before, and he he's uh, rightfully, in my opinion, stated how strong your division is and maybe that a few of your rivals have tried to make a few moves in the off-season where you've largely remained similar. What are your thoughts on that? And, and do you think you know you can still win it with the with running it back this year? Yeah, look, I, I, I think I can still win the division. I'm, I'm a bit concerned about Tim's team. I think Tim's team is just crazy stacked in that starting lineup. But if he gets a few injuries with a few of those guys, then he might be in a bit of trouble. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I'll, I'll probably need Hurst to beat out Pitts as the TM1 at Atlanta, which is, which is pretty easily done. Um, the, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I keep, keep looking. That's why I want those two picks next year. It was more to do with, I don't think I'm going to be strong enough to actually win it this year. But with a couple of players next year, then I should be around the mark again. Yeah, it certainly gives you a bit of flexibility to even use those two picks if you need to, if you're close enough. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Nice. Well, uh, we will finish up here, Scoot, and thanks again for coming on and taking the time out of your schedule to join us. But uh, you've dropped a few sort of bombshells and, and swipes at other league members on the way. But just before we go, any other hot Scoot takes before we head off today? Yeah, there's probably the easy one is probably saying that Steph drafting those two quarterbacks has ruined their careers. That's probably the easy one. <laughs> um, the, the the other one is I want us to there's a there's a world where Papa's traded to get Danny turnovers in, and there's a world where he's retired before Brady because he's kicked out of the league within a year. <laughs> that and is spicy. Just, I will be cheering that home all year just to see Papa's face at the end. That's uh, amazing. She takes. No love lost. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, uh, mate, thanks for finishing on such a positive of Papa's team falling to shit. <laughs> and thanks again <laughs> for, like for we, jumping on today. I'm, I'm more interested to know how Papa's going to fare having to barrack for the Giants at some point. As the season goes, surely he's going to be in a situation where the Giants doing well hurts his Cowboys, but helps his punishers. So that is going to be... My training holidays, just so you can have a, the, the triplets. <laughs> well, mate, thanks for jumping on and uh, joining us. Hopefully you can uh, have a listen to this week and maybe just listen to your segment alone. If you refuse oh, to will. listen to any other part worry. of the podcast. No, I'm not, I'm not like Steph at home masturbating every time you talk about me. Um, <laughs> We, we might put a little disclaimer at the start, you know, scroll to minute 26 if you're Scooter just to listen to your segment. <laughs>
just for you, mate. I'll... I actually reckon if you ask Steph, he'd be able to tell you every minute that he's spoken about from past episodes. <laughs> he's got a that notebook every time he's mentioned. He's just <laughs> jotting it down. It's part of his spank bank. <laughs> yeah, they're on his the back door of his toilet. all right well thanks for jumping on mate good to have you and uh good luck this season you too thanks lads thanks mate prime shit this that what we do don't tell your mom shit this that red cup all on the lawn shit get a fresh cut straight out the salon bitch And with uh, Kanye just bringing us in there, no one else could uh, fill the shoes of Kanye better than Steve Mann joining us from the Sensible Haircuts. Welcome to the pod. How are you, mate? Great. Thanks, Benny. Great to be joining you from the barbershop. <laughs> straight out of the salon. Just straight out of the salon. It's either there or the Ford factory. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, it's great, great to be on the podcast, boys. Thank you for welcoming me back to this esteemed audio publication and uh it's great to see you've all really upgraded things since i was last year the microphones i see a keyboard behind you benny it's um it's a really professional operation right we yeah i play live music these days um those little sound grabs that you hear that's that's not pre-recorded i play the intro to the podcast every single episode that's great I half expect to sort of, obviously we're in lockdown, so they're not going to be there today, but I just assume you've got the live band set up in the back of the room, a bit like one of those talk shows or something. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've definitely scaled up. As you said before we started recording, that's clearly where everyone's money is going when they pay in for this league, just the live band for the podcast. That's why uh, Jake's ring was hollow. Anyway, not about Jake today. It's all about me. <laughs> exactly right. Now, what we've done, Camo, is we've obviously Camo. had a fair bit. Camo. Wow. Sorry, Manny. Hit me straight in the face as soon as I've walked in. I've gone a bit early because there's a segue to what I'm, what I'm about to say. But um, we've obviously had a bit of content for the previous uh, folks who have joined us today on the draft. But we, we worked out there's not a lot of content for you to provide here. So... What, we've, what we did have, though, was a prior to the draft, we sort of went through some trades um, that the your division foes have done pre-draft and then how that sort of shaped their mindset. So in saying that, talk us through how Philip Rivers in a fourth, four or fourth with Camo shaped your mindset entering this draft. <laughs> it really, um, it, it's, it got me fired up, if nothing else. Now, it's, it's, it's ultimately a case of I'm a real man who respects the traditions and, and the, you know, the kind of core values of football loyalty and all of those sorts of things. Honor. And, honor, that, you know, I, and that's why I went, I went out real hard startup draft. I think I really demonstrated that, you know, named my team after Johnny Unitas went out and drafted really strong characters like Darius Geis. Um, I, I, you know, just thought, you know, you got to build your football team on solid foundations. And I think if I'm going to have that approach about my team, I've got to pay the respect to my competitors. And so Philip Rivers being a San Diego man for almost all of his career, I thought the right thing to do was just allow him to hang up the boots on San Diego Demons list. So it was a bit of a charity trade by me. But, uh, you know, I think good karma is the type of thing that can really help you in the long run in fantasy football. 
Now you've just jumped on here, fresh off a nap. So you're already providing some absolute material. I can't wait for what more you've got because Ben is giggling like a little schoolgirl in the background. I think you just tickle his fancy a little bit. Keeney. Well, I think, and if the listeners um, didn't listen in close enough there, they may have missed it, but he's already referred to the fantasy gods and the karma train that might come his way from retiring the great Philip Lindsay, but uh, Philip Rivers, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to retire Philip Lindsay after this. But um, but in all seriousness, I actually think Manny's done this to, you know, be a good bloke and all that sort of stuff. But there's a cheeky profit there for, for Manny. I don't think he's looking at Camo's fourth rounder next year and thinking that could be the 401. Thanks very much. I'll do the right thing. But there's profit galore here. He's Well, yeah, his quarterback room's not looking great, is it? And, um, you know, I mean, it's we're all, you know, pretty happy with, Having Tyrod Taylor as our QB one, I'm sure. Um, I don't know how common I would probably feel at the moment, but uh, you know, assuming the lungs healed up. But yeah, I think it potentially could be an upgrade in the fourth round. But also, you know, just uh, he's a wild man comer who loves a trade, and sometimes you've just got to give him, you know, his hit just to kind of get him through the week. So <laughs> I felt like I could also perform a bit of a community service on that front. It definitely, um, it just got him pumping the brakes on sending out 1,500 trade offers. Just that one. It, it wet his appetite. Life, life trade. <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, building strong foundations, as you've just put it out there for your team. So let's go through what you actually did in the rookie draft. Um, went in with the 105, which was a very interesting spot. Could have been literally anything. No one knew uh, how many QBs would go off the top of the board. But you've gone and traded out of that, the 105, and you've uh, sent Sutton on his way as well to Prestige Worldwide and in return got yourself Miles Sanders, Mark Andrews, and Tariq Cohen. So had a nice pick at the top there and drafted out. So then a bit of time up your sleeve and then time rolled around again at the 301 where you uh, took a fair bit of time just to trade back a few places to the 304 and add the stocks of Van Jefferson to your list Uh and then had a bit of time up your sleeve again until the 404 where it must have been a pretty tight decision to make there at the 404 because it's taken you all of eight hours to <laughs> just let the gods decide and do an auto pick of Jared Rice, who's still looking for a team um, in still, the NFL. Still so, squirmly on my roster though, not looking for a team. Yeah, in I, think, I think he's going to last on your roster for a very long time just to make a point especially based off some of the uh, waiver wire pickups that you've been getting <laughs> lately, offensive coordinators and a lot of blokes that are just going to build the morale and boost the morale of your team there. So yeah, there's just a bit of a recap into, into what took place in the rookie draft for your list. It is a, a lovely recap there, Ben, and I'll fire us away here. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, Manny, that um, we may have shared similar draft philosophies as I did unload my whole draft class a year ago for proven capital. Um, but talk us through your lead up to this draft. What were you thinking and what was your overall strategy going in with the three picks? Sure. So I felt probably a little similar to yourself that draft picks are drastically overrated in our league. Um, I just think that everyone gets very excited by the potential upside in someone, but doesn't, you know, step back and objectively look at the fact that practically one in two of these guys is going to bust and you're going to get nothing out of them. Uh, so where you can turn them into a proven player that sure may, may not be a superstar. So you're giving up that upside, but can sit on your roster and pump out 10 a week for 
you know, the next three or four years, that feels like a very simple equation for me. And then the second thing that really probably landed in my mind when we had the presentation of the winner last year and our draft order night was how knowledgeable slash excited everybody was about the rookie class coming through. And I thought quite genuinely, I'm not going to compete on information with, with half the guys in this league. So I'm probably not going to be able to go out there and, and kind of nail a, a smoky that no one's heard of. It's going to be complete luck, which adds to the fact that I thought it was complete luck anyway on rookies. So, um, you know, you get a bit closer to a draft and everybody gets very excited and wants to participate in it. And it's something to do, particularly, you know, in the complete off season of NFL. So, so I'm just going to sit there. I'm going to trade out all my picks and get absolutely everything I can for it. And, uh, and that will be my philosophy going forward as well. You will rarely see me ever take a pick in a rookie draft. I think. Wow. There's a hot take for you. And it, it, it is interesting there that you were probably attended that meeting, not, not for any reason to do with Jake and sharing his <laughs> success on the night. It was more to read the room and get a take on the upcoming draft, but you are spot on. I mean, it is, I think it is very nice to have draft capital. Um, and I'm, I'm probably pivoting as we speak, but this, the most important thing about that is you've got to actually nail the picks, which isn't, um, which is easier said than done. So absolutely, Kenny, run us. Just quickly on that, one thing I would say as well is if you think about the value of a say a first round pick, it changes dramatically between week five in a season and two weeks out from the draft the next season, which doesn't make any sense. A pick is a pick. I'm sure you've got a little bit more time for a play to run, but it just shows you there's a real emotional component involved where people just get really excited by number one, not not just being a number on a board, but also a person that they can attribute to that pick. When, when in reality, you're going to attribute, you're going to take a person anyway. And secondly, when it's coming up close and it's front of mind. And so um, I'm, I'm just going to take the, the long view of saying, you know, I'll take the emotion out of it and I'll just turn it into a proven player, you know, time after time. Well, I, I was going to ask you if you were always going to trade pick five, but we've got the answer to that um, quite clearly. But um, what I will say, boys, is this Bo Callahan division, we've touched on it a few times. It is, it is strong. Um, I think people forget that Manny went seven and six, the same record as Jake last year, the eventual champ. Uh, Michael Thomas didn't play for a lot of the, lot of the uh, season. Same with Joe Burrow. So um, was that probably a couple of things? Was that probably the thinking around topping up with pick five and and obviously Sutton didn't play either. Um, so topping up with pick five with proven guys like Sanders, Andrews, Cohen, because you're kind of in that window right now and you don't really need to get younger with draft picks. Um, and secondly, um, just talk us through the process that went down with Matt um, and trading pick five because, um, yeah, I'd just like to hear from your point of view kind of how that back and forth went. Yeah, so firstly... I very much agree with you. I think I said it on the pod last year that I just looked at the original start draft and felt like we were going to be far and away the strongest division. Um, and probably just, there's always a bias in that where you kind of like teams that draft guys that you like, but, you know, obviously we did prove to be pretty strong year one and looking at what the guys have done off season, particularly Ben, it's only going to get harder going forward. Uh, I don't necessarily look at it in windows, I don't necessarily think that my team's going to win it in the next year. I don't think that my team's terrible either and I'm completely rebuilding for the future. I probably more look at it as a rookie or a 24-year-old are the same thing. The difference is one of them you've seen run around for a year or two. So you've got some sense of what they're going to be like in the league, whereas a rookie is just a, you know, 
kind of a potential but completely unproven. And I think particularly when it comes to positions like quarterback, a lot of studies have been done. There's very, very little correlation between success at college and success at the ultimate level other than kind of a few absolute standouts. So I'm just much rather ship those picks and, and potentials for rookies into a guy that is a year or two in. Um, in terms of the guys that I brought in, it was probably more about addressing weaknesses within my roster. So I was very weak at tight end, probably made weaker by the fact that I felt I could get some really good value partway through last year and trade out Dallas Goddard. So I kind of weakened myself at tight end. So bringing Mark Andrews in there felt like a really safe move on that front. Um, and then similarly, we've talked a lot about my running backs. I think the I sat here a year ago and said, I have absolutely no respect for running backs. I think they've got no longevity, wouldn't put any draft capital into them. And then having said that, the two I did take, Marlon Mack and Darius Geis, didn't play a snap between them last year. So obviously it made putting a roster together very difficult last year. So being able to bring in a Miles Sanders, who's just a solid starter week after week, felt like a, a pretty safe move for me. So, you know, Tariq Cohen adds me a bit of depth in that position as well, which for any other team would be pointless. But for me, when I had to play literally backup running backs every single week last year, just gives me a bit more certainty. So it's probably less about windows and when I'm going to win and more just about rounding out my roster. And, and obviously the guys I've brought in, if you look at the, you know, the years they've got ahead of them, they're not going to finish up in the next couple of years. So I feel like I've got upside in longevity as well. Very nice. Um, I've got two questions here. I'll ask the first one and then a follow-up. Now, everyone that I know loves a juicy pancake stack, excluding one member of our other league. Um, but were you ever enticed with the stack of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? Because that could be an elite one. And you had him there at five. Yeah. It's funny that you say that actually, because I really like two guys and he wasn't one of them. Um, the, the, as I mentioned, the running back and the tight end positions were the two weaknesses that I had and sort of having, you know, a top, top caliber running back going straight into Pittsburgh where you know that they're going to get a heap of work and, you know, Pittsburgh play the one running back style um, was pretty tempting. I didn't think he'd still be there at pick five. Um, you know, you've also got a, a kind of once in a generation tight end as well, who I didn't necessarily think would be there at five. So to answer Keeney's question from before as well, I'd just been chopping it to a bunch of people. There'd been discussions going on for months. Maddie probably gave me, Tim was putting in some pretty good efforts as well. I will say that. Um, Maddie probably gave me the best fit for what I needed. Uh, those negotiations were probably a bit slow, but he was quite eager, quite keen. So I always felt like I could probably get that job done, um, which was good. I mean, you know, good on him because of being the pick that he wanted. But because of that, I wasn't really thinking about Jamar Chase. I sort of always thought I probably would be able to get him if I wanted to, but it was, you know, and wide receiver is just a position I've got so much depth at. I could, I wouldn't be able to start him. So that obviously factors into his potential value as well. It's always nice when you you execute the trade and then give the player the bloke traded for a big whack. <laughs> um, but the, the follow up, the follow up to that um, was: Do you think you got enough in that trade? Yeah, I. I... I probably could have got more. I mean, it's hard, you know, short of literally going out and, and going. And I think, so let me rephrase this. I think hindsight always, you know, the market gets set by all of the trades that happen. I think it was a couple of others that took place after my trade 
live ones, one including a cell phone, which was which was pretty massive, um, which which kind of helped reset the value. But I think from my perspective, I got what I was after in the trade. I think I probably would have thought fair value was around about Sanders and Andrews and, and kind of Cohen was a bit of Mayo. And I think probably Matt would look at it and definitely feel like he got the better of the deal. And that's probably a sign of a good trade where both parties walk away thinking like they got what they're after. But, but no, I, I mean, I think we're still feeling, and I'm personally still feeling out what value of picks looks like. Cause it's difficult for someone like me who does not rate the pick as being that high, but figuring out kind of what others are prepared to give up for it. So yeah, next year I've got two first rounders. You know, they're there for the taking. Um, I'll you know, I'll be able to learn from this year and see what I can sell get off. Yeah. Well, to the listeners, um, currently it seems like you could probably get them pretty cheap, considering he doesn't rate them at all. So, um, from a leverage point of view, I wouldn't be giving up too much for first rounders because Steve doesn't obviously want them. So no, you're just you're not competing um, with me. You're competing with each other for them. That's probably um, I'm teeing up a trade right now as we speak, just uh, in the hopes that when we get off the air, you might accept. Is Duke Duke Johnson for your first round pick? Is that going to be proven player? Proven player? <laughs> yeah. No. I, I the other thing, if you caught it earlier, I definitely understand the value for them peaks as you get much closer to the draft. So very <laughs> unlikely to be trading it until about eleven months from now. Until the yes. seventh hour and fifty eighth minute of your pick on the night. They get yeah. real valuable then, don't they, Hod? Um, they now, <laughs> can I just uh, one one more question before we move on? Is um, there's there's a rumor, and the grapevine has been uh, in overdrive, just with some rumors. And um, I did hear that the, this trade that actually was accepted on the night for pick five was in your inbox on the Wednesday night before the Friday draft. Now. I know the other end of the uh, or the receiver of this trade was sweating bullets for <laughs> two straight days. Was that part of the strategy? I told worked. him it was probably off at one stage. I also told him during the draft that um, if Pitts was still there, it was potentially off. Um, I was I, I was having conversations with a few others though. So just you know, Camo was obviously being Camo, and you know, I had about twelve different offers from him at different stages right up to the deadline. <laughs> Um, as I said, Tim was pretty keen. It was a, it was just a, a keen. You and I were involved in some negotiations that were slightly different, which of course would have had flow. I guess we can talk about it now, but there was pick eight involved in that. It had flow on implications for, for what I would do with pick six. So particularly once I understood that the two guys I wanted, Harris and Pitts, were going to be there. So I thought all that's got to happen is one of them doesn't get taken at five, and I potentially could get these guys at eight plus get the guys I want for six. And I only have to give up, you know, sort of an aging quarterback. So it was, um, was, yeah, it was, there's a bit going on. What are, what a seesaw of events we've got from this division. One member of your division is saying that Tim and Matt are absolutely useless when it comes to trading. And you're telling us that they're actually, well, you've traded with one of them and Tim was offering some pretty good trades. So I'm not, no, I'm not sure where, where we leave this episode. Um, and where Tim and Matt fit in the trading school. Yeah, I don't know. I can only speak for, for myself, but you know, I'd, I'd say some of my, my division rivals either you know, maybe work on your relationships a little bit or <laughs> maybe the two of them just don't rate me at all. And so I'm prepared to be a little more lenient on what they offer rather than trying to you know, stingy out the other three. Because Benny, I think, for despite his performance last year, and I think he was still seven and five or something, we are all... We're all playoff six and seven. Yeah, we're we're all pot- potential playoff going into the last week. I know that. 
Um, apart, and, and I think any chance you have of staying under the radar was gone the second you executed the Mahomes trade and and then the Kittle trade just kind of topped that up. So you've got kind of best couple of players at every position. So you're not under the radar at all. And the other two, one of them won it and the other one arguably should have won it or very easily could have won it. So I just think it's a division that people are very very nervous to trade with potentially and I might be able to just skim under the radar a bit and, and threaten everybody a little less. Well, for a bloke that's um, brought in Van Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson and Jared Rice, we've certainly made our way through, through some nice topics in the, in this segment of the podcast. It's a great effort. Yeah, just I've just got one one person left to complete the quad stack, and that's a bloke by the name of that? Eddie Ford. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I saw Isaiah, but I thought there's a there's a worse Ford that I could sneak onto the roster. And oh, so North I thought Melbourne's that might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think he's like a linebacker. I'm, um, is I'm there truth? Kidding. Is there truth that a lot of these trades, because a lot of people saw the the trading back of the three hundred one to the three hundred four with someone like Van Jefferson just being thrown in, and now your talks about Ford, is, is this a sponsorship deal that you're trying to tee up? Is this the whole motive behind what you're doing? Them, I'm not going to comment on whether there's or how much money's changing hands. Um, or, there might be something in the works in the background. I know last year, a very popular segment of the podcast in the early weeks was your ads, and so. Just thought, you know, why don't I get on the money train? Why should well, it just be you guys that get brand new microphones? They've uh, they've contacted us and, and asked if we could put the ad in place. So we thought this is probably the perfect time to to roll with our ad. First, Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson Ford, <laughs> So uh, we'll just wait for the cash to roll in from old Jefferson, Jefferson Ford. Uh, was it three Jeffersons? I can't remember. Three, three Jeffersons. And, and also yes. just on Van Jefferson, I feel like he's copying a bit of a bad rap. Like he's not a bad depth guy to have sitting there. He can put up his eight or nine a week. Don't know. I reckon he's, I, I was, to be honest with you, I putting aside the whole draft pick thing, I'm very happy trading back three and getting someone like that who just, just provides depth for your list because the difference between what pick 25 and pick 28, you know, it's, it's luck in my mind. It's not only significant. Yeah, well, I think you've had a fair bit of well luck or fortune having one Jefferson. So why not go, go up to three? You don't know what can happen. Yeah, so far it's it's correlated with things working out. So you just you ride it if it's a good thing. Well, uh, talking yeah. about adding to your roster, you you mentioned it a little bit earlier, talking about just building on the character that makes up the sensible haircut. So we did notice that you recently re-added Darius Geis back onto your roster. He we thought you'd you'd made the cut, you'd made the decision to to cut him loose, and then you've brought him back on. So, I suppose it just sort of begs the question: um, How many other moral compass players are you going to start to accrue in this uh, off season? There, is there talks that uh, you might be in contact with Camo to get Deshaun Watson on your list? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I feel like Michael Vick would be a nice real add to my to my roster. Um, I'm in. I don't want to. I guess I could, you know, give you a bit of a teaser. I don't want to break the news here on the podcast, but there's some conversations with Aaron Hernandez's um, team just around whether or not we could maybe get him slotted into a vacant position. He's probably not going to play much, but not in premium. Really have that? Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, his value goes up. But no, I thought um, I saw the news that Darius Geis is looking close to settlement on half a dozen of his thirty charges, and I thought, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Let's show a bit of faith in the young man. Well, while we're on the moral compass, um, OJ Simpson, has he had a thought? Oh, yeah. Well, 
I don't feel strongly about running backs, as you know. However, <laughs> however, and especially aging running backs, and I think he's about 70. But having said all of that, um, I feel like, you know, I've, I've got a young group of in the running back room that really could just use a bit of guidance. And I feel like someone like that, if I could maybe bring him in as a running backs coach, I've obviously got my offensive coordinator locked down, but if I could bring in a running backs coach <laughs> like OJ, I really feel it would help get the, the team going in the right direction. Obviously I had last year, the oldest running back that, you know, in the league and will be in the league, probably playing with his son in a couple of years. Um, I'll have to sadly let him go because there's no emotion in football, but I feel like OJ would compliment, you know, feel like that nicely. Well, um, you did mention Aaron Hernandez, and that certainly would give a whole new meaning to going with a tight end handcuff. But um, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about another tight end on your roster at the moment, and that's Jared Rice. I just want to know how long is he going to sit on the taxi squad? Is that going to be something that just marinates over time, mate? Or are we? I, I feel knowing you that he's the type of player that there is no chance you're getting rid of. I won't get rid of him until there's a really clear reason to do so, and obviously. I've got a guy that will probably go before him sitting on my taxi squad, given the man's 34 and a coach. Um, so he's probably got a pretty comfy seat there on the taxi squad for a little while, Jared Rice. I, I genuinely had no idea who he was. Like, I'd ne- I heard nothing about him. And when I, when I got the auto pick, I'd seen him on the list. I'm like, skip over that, dude. Um, when I got the auto pick, I clicked on him. And, you know, when the first piece of news is something like, you know, failed to make the first cut of the, you know, 2020 preseason, I thought, yeah, this, this guy looks like a sensible haircut to me. It was a bit stiff in fairness. I don't know why he was at the top of the list in terms of ADP. That was, yeah, pretty stiff. But um, can you actually talk us through the offensive coordinator you picked up? And and is that, again, was that discussed at any board meetings or um, what was the, the reasoning behind that? I think it's an admittance from myself that I probably don't have all the answers as a coach. And I think bringing in some some smart heads around me is, is what, you know, a good leader would do. It's, we're not all Bill Belichick. I think, you know, there's plenty of people in this league who might think that they have every answer, know everything about every player and can manage a team on their own. And I think they're kidding themselves, to be honest with you. So I'm a bit more of a committee approach. Thought, you know, here's a guy who's been in the league, done some really good things, still relatively young, but he's worked his way up to offensive coordinator. Let's get him in, tap into that mind. Now, you're obviously a man of high character because you're comfortable with what you bring to the sensible haircuts. Um, is there any chance you can have a, a chat to another member of this league that holds it up most of the time and just part some knowledge on not having all the answers at any time? And if you don't haven't worked it out, I'm talking about the DFF. And he will timestamp this exact moment because that's what he does. He puts it on the wank bank, as Scoot <laughs> mentioned earlier today. Um, any parting wisdom? for that man who, who struggles a bit in this caper? I think you've, you've just got to be true to yourself. And I think the DFF is that more than anybody. Um, I think if you, if you run a football factory, it's not an easy thing. And I think the DFF cops a lot of flack. He's, he's got to simultaneously manage a football team, run a factory and run his, an entire shadow media, you know, kind of world where the news that, you know, the rest of us read the stuff that's actually happening and he's got to literally find stuff that, that isn't and and kind of live around that. So it's a really difficult position that the guy's in. Um, I The only advice I'd offer to him is is just, you know, it's probably probably about time you're, you're focused on winning against more than one team because there's 
there's 10 others in this division outside of you and Camo. So unless you start beating them as well, you're probably not going too far. But having said that, you know, he's, he's got Camo's number. So that's one down. Tick that off. You know, 10 years from now, he might be, might be unbeatable. Oh, what a note to finish on, mate. Uh, I'm just mindful of the time. We've actually had you on for the longest, considering you only made one official pick in the draft. <laughs> I don't know how we managed that. Sorry, boys. Um, it's, yeah. um, mate, plenty of insight, plenty of uh, plenty of knowledge all around the park there. So we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on and, uh, and share that knowledge with us. Uh, very happy to cut the nap short for you boys it's a fantastic <laughs> podcast it's uh it's been great just having it re-emerge seemingly out of nowhere in the middle of the the lockdown given given us something to do other than kind of watch the rantings and ravings on the group chat so very much enjoying it and it's great to just see as i said the earlier the the sound quality the production quality the outfits you guys are wearing all looking great probably the haircuts could do with a bit of work but Happy to have you boys down to the barbershop <laughs> at any time once the lockdown's lifted and help you out there. There it is. Hey. The first grab. Thanks for joining us, Manny. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, boys. Outstanding as always, mate. Congratulations, King. <laughs> On that Thanks. smooth outro, we'll, uh, we'll have to pull the pin there. But uh, a huge thank you to the Bo Callahan division uh, for giving all of their thoughts there. It's going to be a fierce division that one time will only tell to see how strong it will be and uh i'm sure there are the other divisions sitting there listening right now thinking that they can't wait to have their say and maybe have a few swipe backs at uh some of the the shade that was thrown their way on this pod absolutely yeah well who have we got next we're gonna go vontae mack or sunny weaver whoever it is i'll tell you what there's a bit to live up to that was some sharp work from our three guests today so thanks very much for coming on it should be a good listen Sharp it was, and I'm unfortunately in a division where Sharp is not featured very much at all. So maybe we'll save us till last, but uh, there's no real outro here tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hodcast over and out. I like that you got to announce it if it's not funny.